Hello and welcome back to Twin Paradox. I'm King Everett Medlin, and what you're hearing is a sci-fi trilogy I wrote four years ago under the pseudonym Purple Hazel. Twin Paradox follows my first podcast series entitled Deathwalker Colony, which is now a full-length novel available for purchase on Amazon. Go online and check it out. It's on sale today in ebook format, as well as the first two books in the Rigel 12 series, The Rise of New Australia and Return of Anarchy. Tonight we continue with part four, Heroes and Scapegoats. Young Men Joe has finally had enough of working, better put babysitting, over at the Hydroponic Garden Center. His new colleagues among the return team, whom he now outranks, have proven to be unreliable to say the least. Stoned most of the time, they've become far more than that, drug dealers. It's time to make a change. Twin Paradox is a sci-fi series encompassing three full-length novels, all of which will be read in their entirety during the coming weeks. You can go online and download the eBooks, or if you prefer, tune in and listen to me read them to you. Ladies and gentlemen, Twin Paradox Part 4, Heroes and Scapegoats, Chapter 20, Garden Geeks. It was actually Young Men Joe who brought the matter to Steinhardt's attention, though not directly, and when he did so, only then did the captain come to understand the full gravity of the situation. Reality was that marijuana abuse was far more widespread than he or even BJ realized. It surprised Captain Stater just how bad things had gotten. Young men had grown disillusioned. The new staff who came to work with him in the garden center during the return voyage stayed high practically all the time. Got up, came to work, got wasted, sat around and did little if anything while young men did most of the work. They would disappear for long periods of time, always claiming they were off gathering fresh biosoil, which was human waste treated and processed into plant fertilizer. It became like a regular joke to them, sauntering off to use the lavatories, then gathering up daily output of the crew's feces to bring back for making fresh compost. This served as an excuse for being gone so long from their posts, and as young men grew into his late teens, it aggravated him whenever they would do so. Sure, that was one of their section's regular chores to perform, and he was usually happy to delegate it to his staff. But the truth was they weren't just going out to gather up canisters of poop for the compost processor. They were making deliveries, and young men quickly discovered how stores of cannabis-laced produce would vanish from time to time. Fresh tomatoes, ready to be freeze-dried and added to the food distribution system, other fruits and vegetables as well, would disappear from storage bins awaiting processing. Not long after that, he would see one of his subordinates bringing in yet another shit-can, as they called them, and when he would challenge them, they'd merely chuckle. Hey, I'm just doing my job, dude, they would scoff, and the other stoners working with him would have a big laugh. That was only a half-truth, and everyone, including the young lieutenant, knew it. What Lieutenant Joe gradually figured out, by secretly following them or simply retracing their steps, was that his subordinates had turned into pot dealers. No one had any way of igniting the marijuana they were growing. All they had to consume was garden-variety produce whose roots had been spliced with cannabis. 
but his colleagues learned to smuggle more potent strains of them out of the garden center and deliver them to folks on board who traded services, or on occasion, intimate favors. Crew members started referring to the hydroponic team as the garden geeks, and to be fair, they weren't the most desirable looking among the crew. Far from it. Yet they became quite popular, meeting up with their more attractive colleagues at the VRC, or even while they were on duty, to bring them weed. A blowjob here, a handjob there, sometimes more. Services rendered in exchange for their daily deliveries were plenty to keep the supply coming, and the garden geeks showing up with more. For the geeks working for young men, it was an easy way to get laid. Their function on board as vegetable and fruit farmers was nothing but a lark, certainly by the end of the second year in the return mission. They got invited to sessions in the Verge with some of the most attractive females on the ship. Yet the potential consequences were dire, and young men knew he had to do something. There was a secret community of avid marijuana users whom the captain and even BJ knew little about. One or two were even working in the matter pod monitoring section. What's more, there were quite a few working at other vital functions within the ship, such as the cryogenics lab and even the command bridge. This was dangerous to the ship and to the rest of the crew in general, and could doom the mission if something wasn't done. That's what frustrated young men. Years before, he'd adapted the food distribution system, overriding the computers to allow THC to be included in what folks were eating. This could be regulated and controlled to give crew members interested in the benefits of the drug something to ease their stress and strain, temper their boredom, or relieve aches and pains from heavy-gravity workouts in the athletic center. Crew members worked out to get their bodies ready for Captain B, and Captain Berwick was happy to let them enjoy the effects of a marijuana-induced euphoria to take the edge off. Crew members could include cannabis edibles in their diet, but the way of controlling this was in ordering their rations to be supervised. No alcohol was ever permitted on board. Space program would never permit such a potential breach of protocol on an active vessel. But Tommy, being the old-fashioned type who remembered reading of sailors receiving a daily rum ration in the glory days of the Royal Navy, felt this was a reasonable compromise. As long as it was regulated and overseen by responsible administrators in the garden center, he was all for it. Naturally, some abused it even during the away team's mission, and Tommy Berwick was vaguely aware but he left it to his officers to manage the problem and punish their own subordinates if they were caught on duty under the influence. This worked out well because officers like Lieutenant Kelvin had a nose for it and could detect violators with ease. He'd dress them down and threaten demotion the moment he suspected they were high. One time he did just that and replaced one of his men with Ozzy Guerrero, who turned into one of his most trusted team members. But it was different now. Some among the crew were high nearly all the time. Young men could only guess if the number might be even greater than he'd assumed. Probably a third were consuming it responsibly and complying with proper doses, but they were the exception, not the rule. It became easy to slip off the straight and narrow, and many bored crew members sometimes did. Unfortunately, many went off the deep end and remained stoned every waking hour, even when on duty especially when on duty in some cases. 
Young men ultimately sought out Shimizu's advice, and subsequently she brought in BJ, just to have a little powwow in the mostly empty cargo bay to discuss what might be done. She was the communications officer and had the ear of the captain. What's more, she was completely trustworthy, had been friends since they were ten years old. Lieutenant Joe feared being pegged as a whistleblower due the consequences of doing so. If he exposed his teammates in the garden center, he fully realized what it would do to his reputation. With another two years on board, if not several, facing former colleagues he had ratted out, that could be a disaster. He could imagine what it would cause, and he certainly hated the idea of being viewed as a snitch. BJ, as always, was quite helpful in that regard. No, you're not going to be a snitch, not as far as Steinhardt's concerned. He'll think you're being a good crewman expressing a concern, that's all. Doing your duty. I sure as hell know what you're worried about with your friends over there in the get-high garden. Been hearing about it here and there for years, and I gotta say, I didn't know it was so messed up. What we need to do is get your butt out of there, for it ruins your career. The plan she would eventually propose was fraught with difficulty, but much safer than making an official protest to the captain and inviting an inquiry. No one would want that, least of all Steinhardt. What's more, if young men did take that approach, going to him on an official basis to notify the captain that the situation was deteriorating, then Steinhardt would be compelled by military procedure to investigate. It would go into his ship's log and be a part of Lieutenant Joe's permanent record. That's precisely what they didn't need. Better idea would be to simply get him a different job on board. BJ now realized crew members were regularly using garden center staff to obtain stronger strains of cannabis. Knowing she wasn't a user, the folks secretly supplementing their cannabis ration had apparently kept it underground, she could only assume. Now at least she knew what to look for. She'd been suspecting it from time to time, sure. She just didn't realize how corrupt things had become. But she did count on one thing. Ozzy was likely aware of who among his special team of engineers working in the pod monitoring section was a regular abuser. That might make for a very easy transition. What's more, she figured she could recognize who else might be a frequent customer in other important functions on board now that she knew what to watch out for. That's what gave her the idea. Steinhardt could switch young men Joe with one of those burnouts working in Ozzy's section. They, in turn, could make for a great fit over in the garden center. And if Steinhardt played his cards right, he'd be able to isolate the problem for the remainder of the voyage. That's how she'd explain it to him, and that's how she explained it to young men and Shimizo. We'll make a trade, so to speak. Get rid of one bad egg and stick him where he can't screw things up. Might take a look at the whole crew as well, know what I mean? Yeah, I do see what you mean, yes. And I like that much better. Thanks, said young men with a relieved sigh. I think you've got the right idea. Shimizo agreed as well. This would be so much simpler. No one will want a full inquiry, and I don't either. If it all played out correctly, those among the crew who were heavy users of marijuana edibles could simply be reassigned to less vital functions, and if Steinart was careful, maybe some of them would be pleased to have a new job on the ship that might stimulate their minds once again. Whether or not they actually did was not her concern. 
Yeah, added BJ. Let's try it like that. And hey, even if they piece it together later that they've been busted, fuck them. They can all go get high together till we get back home. The question remaining was just who else should be reassigned and where they should go, just to make it all look above board. That is, who they could be switched with in other sections, and in what way so as not to cause any lingering resentments. A few field promotions and increases in pay grades might be just what they needed to ease it through, she speculated. Take some time, as she put it. Think it over. Plan it out. Raise a few pay grades, shit like that. Sell it to the crew in just the right way so they don't suspect what our true motives are. So who's going to do the selling then? You, I'd wager, remarked Shimizo. There was little doubt of that. BJ would have to have a little chat with old Steinhardt. Meanwhile, young man Joe would have to be kept out of it completely until his transfer. After that, people could run their mouths all they wanted to. That was to be expected. They'll be flapping their gums, I'm sure of that, BJ stated prophetically. But in the long run, just who's going to bitch and moan when all the burnouts are sitting around with their thumbs up their asses, while the rest of us are trying to get this crate home in one piece? Am I right? Young men and Shimiso nodded their heads. Thank God for BJ, laughed Shimiso, looking toward young men. He smiled uncomfortably, still worried but figuring his fate was in good hands. And it was. BJ realized it was time someone did something. New Steinart had been tormented about what to do for months. He needed to get all the marijuana abusers away from any vital functions within the ship. This was just the opportunity he'd been looking for, and BJ now had a viable solution. It took about a month to pull it off. Steinhardt and BJ mapped it out from start to finish. First, they scheduled a big meeting to announce ship reassignments and some key promotions for several crew members. BJ then worked behind the scenes, talking it up to all her pals on board. She also did a little groundwork beforehand, just to get the crew excited about the upcoming changes. She spent time with her occasional playmates over in the Verge, told them, Hey, I've got some interesting news. If you can keep a little secret, that is. Knowing full well that they would blab about it within days, if not hours, to the other people they fooled around with. I hear the good captain's getting ready to give out some promotions and some raises and pay grades. Any day now is what he's saying, so stay tuned. I'll let you know when it's going down, I promise. Then she told them nothing else for the week leading up to the meeting. The rumor mill took over from there, and soon everyone was all a Twitter about the upcoming announcements, filling in with speculation of their own. Meanwhile, she let Captain Stater handle the difficult part. Namely, she left it up to the boss to have a little schwatz, or chinwag as Shimizo called it, with all the different section commanders. Not surprisingly, he started with his most loyal, dedicated crewman, Lieutenant J.G. Oswaldo Guerrero. Ozzy, he knew, could keep his mouth shut. He, if anyone, was someone the captain could rely upon. They met one day when Ozzy was off duty. Guten Tag, Lieutenant Guerrero, began the captain as he walked in on the young man working out in the gym. May I have a word with you, please? 
The athletic center was, as usual, completely empty except for Ozzy pumping weights to keep himself in shape. He'd been working the elliptical machine before that and was bathed in sweat like some boxer training for an upcoming title bout. Terribly sorry to disturb your fitness regimen, but I must approach this on an unofficial basis. Are we alone? Continued the captain. Clearly they were, but Steinart was about to confide something in the young fellow that would have to remain private for the duration of the mission, and no one could know of what was discussed. Ozzy was quick to pick up on this, grabbing a towel to wipe his face. As always, he answered bluntly and honestly, just the way a superior officer preferred it. Mincing words or giving vague answers would only make things difficult. Ozzy had learned this from Lieutenant Kelvin years ago. He knew how to address a ship's captain, had learned from the best. Yes, Captain Stater, he replied without hesitation. We are. A couple was in here earlier, but they did their business and left. What can I do for you, sir? Steinhardt chuckled, noticing the lingering stench. The room smelled a little like sweat, and yet still had that familiar odor of sex wafting about. Apparently, the young officer had ignored the copulation going on across the room and just proceeded with his workout. This also occurred to Steinart and made him shake his head with amused disgust. Here was Ozzy simply banging out reps amidst all that distraction. What a go-getter. Ever since hearing about his brother back on Earth leading the Dallas Wranglers to a world championship, assuming Ranger Guerrero was indeed his twin sibling Proxido, that is, he'd been pumping iron and developing his cardio strength. For what reason, he couldn't really explain. Maybe the old rivalry between him and his brother had been revived. Maybe it was just because in a couple years he'd be greeting his twin in person for the first time in decades. He probably just wanted to look buff going into the big day. To be sure, if he sat around in space for many years in low gravity, his muscles would atrophy, and he'd look like a pussy, as his brother used to say. That said, Steinhardt wasn't there to discuss such trivial things. I need to make some changes around here, and I'm in need of your input before I proceed, said Steinhardt. Ozzy toweled off to remove the sweat dripping from his jet-black hair, now running down his temples and neck. He then sponged it out of his eye socket so he could focus on the captain's facial expressions. This sounded serious. He knew he'd better pull himself together. Captain Stater grabbed a nearby weight bench used for preacher curls and dragged it over to where Ozzy was sitting. Who? Uh, I mean... What if I were to ask your advice on transferring one of your people, one of your staffs, that is, over to the garden center, replacing them with someone else, of course, so that you won't be undermanned? Steinhardt then absentmindedly scratched his chin where the skin was dried out and irritated from the effects of cleaning dust used in the hygiene chambers. I have just the person in mind, he continued. So don't concern yourself. But I'm uncertain who I should move out of pod monitoring. Is there anyone you wouldn't uh, miss too terribly, shall we say? Again, I must remind you this conversation is to remain confidential. Verstehst du? Ozzy got the picture, read his captain like a book. The rumors had already made it back to pod monitoring by now that the captain was about to shake up ship's post assignments. But he never would have figured the captain would be seeking his input. He didn't hesitate with a response. Yes, sir, Captain. 
I understand completely. And I know just who I'd like to see move on to uh, greener pastures, if you don't mind the expression. Steinhardt thought about it a moment, then connected the dots. Greener pastures? Like marijuana leaves growing in a garden? He got the joke, and for the first time ever in the presence of a junior officer, he laughed uproariously, throwing his head back, then reaching out to playfully slap the muscled Texan on the upper arm, like two old cronies drinking together in a German beer keller. Ja, das ist ja wirklich ganz toll. Good joke, Lieutenant. Ozzie grinned humbly. He'd gone a bit too far, but gotten away with cracking a joke around his captain when the man was clearly trying to be discreet. And who is this fine fellow that we are speaking of? Asked Steinhardt, still chuckling and trying to compose himself. Orem, sir. Ensign Orem. I'd miss him like a bad smell, clarified Lieutenant Guerrero. Just tell me where to sign off on it. I'd love to get that dope head out of my section. His directness amazed Captain Stater, such a mature young man, respectful and professional, yet brief and blunt. That's what he needed at a moment like this. While Steinart got his composure back, realizing that Ozzie was already two steps ahead of him and presumed that the captain was targeting marijuana users, Ozzie used the opportunity to see who Captain Stater would be replacing the guy with. He basically knew the answer, just couldn't wait to find out officially. Can you tell me who we're going to be getting, sir? Asked Lieutenant Guerrero politely, draping the towel around his sweaty neck. Steinart was too much of a professional for that sort of a slip-up, though. Not needing Guerrero's further thoughts on the matter, he shook his head patiently. Oh, I'm sure you'll be pleased with my choice. Rest easy, my good man. And by the way, keep up the fine work. You're continuing to serve this ship well, and it is not going unnoticed. Nor is it being ignored in my reports. Look forward to a nice long career with space program when we return to Earth, Lieutenant, if you so desire it. Ozzie's eyes brightened. He most certainly did. After that, Captain Stater stood up to leave and Ozzie snapped to attention. He saluted his captain and replied, Very good, sir. Dankeschön. Steinhardt saluted him back and answered, Bitte. Carry on, Lieutenant. And that was that. The next day, Captain Stater addressed the crew and announced his new post assignments. Young Men Joe was reassigned to Matterpod Monitoring, and Gary Kinkarama Orem joined the Garden Geeks. Problem solved. This concludes tonight's podcast of Twin Paradox Chapter 20, Garden Geeks. I hope you enjoyed it. Watch for Episode 21, which I'll be posting very soon. Also, and don't forget, my latest full-length novel, Deathwalker Colony, is available right now in ebook format and can be downloaded today on Amazon.com. Along with the first two books in the Rigel 12 series, The Rise of New Australia and Return of Anarchy. A link to these can be found in the transcript for this episode. Go online and check them out. I'm King Everett Medlin. Thanks for tuning in.